Welcome to DC Beer Show, everybody. We're at DC Beer across social media. Mike Stein, what is in your Stein on this balmy evening? I don't have a Stein. I'm drinking straight out the bottle. Thanks to you, Jake. I'm drinking two women from New Glarus Brewing Company out of Wisconsin. Only in Wisconsin. It's a wonderful beer. I wish there were more women in beer. Speaking of women in beer, Brandy, thank you for bringing more women to beer, specifically DC beer. What's in your glass, your Cambro, your tumbler, your water bottle tonight? Uh, Mr. Stein, that was probably the most beautiful segue I've ever heard in my life. Uh, cheers to that. And I'm not cheersing you from a glass or a Stein. I'm also cheersing you from a can. I am drinking Dynasties, Rolls of Civility, number 99, uh, from a can. It's the Whale's Pale Ale. Um, I got home and I was like, man, I got stung by a wasp and I'm feeling pretty thirsty. It's steamy outside. Is it going to rain? I don't know. Let me open this beautiful can. And I enjoyed every last drop of it from this lovely blue and white can. Jake, what you, what you got going on over there? I have here, and it's a mouthful, a lager from Ocelot. That's a collaboration with Detroit post-punk band Proto Martyr, the name of their new album and the name of the beer are both formal growth in the desert. And you should make way for this beer because the album kind of slaps um, in that like 81 post-punk sort of way. Uh, and the beer is really nicely drinking too. I would say it's kind of similar to an export lager. Um, Jack and Richard, the lager brewers over at Ocelot, really nicely done we also have with us our producer papa beer <gasps> papa richard, beer. richard oh, yeah what are you imbibing hey, or ingesting tonight i'm canning it as well i'm canning it with nanticoat nectar which uh i'm drinking because as as some of you know and some of the listeners may know um, I will soon be departing the Mid-Atlantic region for Eastern Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, so I've been sort of going through some of my local favorites lately, drinking a little more Silver Branch to get all of those beers in, drinking the Nanticoke Nectar, um, really hitting Denizens hard. These are all my sort of neighborhood, neighborhoody kind of beers. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm drinking tonight, and uh, I have really been digging it. I'm like getting way back into IPAs. The higher ABV still caught me by surprise a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> my old, I'm feeling my old age because I have a couple of seven or eight percents without thinking about it. And the next morning, just be like, ah, what's going on? Oh <laughs> man! I, like I mean, this? after packing all day, you're probably exhausted. You're like, oh, let me just pop a beer. Wait, I'm dehydrated. <laughs> We're vi- we're very 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 sad that you are leaving Papa Beer. Very very sad. Um, I will cry about it, but not right now. I, you know, I was having that. I am having that Dynasty beer, and I know that Jake could have had a cool conversation with Fabio of Dynasty, and I bet we're going to listen to that a little bit later. Um, but first, I want to know about some of the cool events going on. I personally will be at the Peachy Keen beer release, which is a Red Baron Urban Garden collaboration. 
It's going on from 3 to 6 p.m. at Red Bear. But not only will there be great beer, but also an art swap from Swap DC. And I love Swap DC. I went the first one that I, I ran into. Richard was also there, and we were at Right Proper in Brookland, and we actually bought art that night from two different artists. Swap DC is amazing, and it, they always seem to collaborate with Imani at her uh, beer releases. So we're going to be at Red Bear this Sunday um, from 36 Red Bear. I, I will be there. I'm excited. Are you guys going to go? I will be in Delaware drinking uh, probably either dogfish, uh, something weird and obnoxious that shouldn't be good but will be good uh it could be a blend of berliner weiss kolsch and something else that is turned into sequench this worldwide phenomenon or it could be a beer brewed with chocolate malt and lobsters that sounds absolutely disgusting and then ends up winning a gabf great american beer festival gold medal in the like weird esoteric specialty beer um and yeah so dogfish continually proves me wrong and if all else fails, uh, I'll be in walking distance from Dewey Beer Co. for the next couple of weeks, which means I will have a hazy and then copious amounts of their Mexican-style lager, El Trono, uh, because it's like walking through a Delaware cornfield, um, just like clean, crisp lager yeast, a whole bunch of flake corn. It's 4.5% great beach beer. I will likely be in Pennsylvania on Sunday, Brandy, but I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I was going to the Art Brew Swap. Um, I'm really hoping Peachy Keen makes it past Sunday, July 30th into August. I have a good feeling it will because Red Bear is a good sized brew house. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch happening on Sunday. There's the brewery open house at Denizens in Riverdale Park. Um, there's also the Jerry Garcia birthday celebration at DC Brow on Sunday. So not only am I missing Imani, um, and the Red Bear team, I'm going to be missing Julie and Jeff at Denizens. I'm going to be missing Paulette and Brandon at Brow. And I know they're huge deadheads. They love paying tribute to Jerry Garcia. I'm so bummed to be missing out on Sunday. But I'll be sure to check out uh, Peachy Keen when I get back in town, as well as frequenting uh, DC Brow draft accounts and Denizens on draft all around DC, um, as well as the various, you know, Montgomery, Prince George's and other counties I've been known to tipple a draft beer in in Maryland. What is it with breweries and the Grateful Dead and jam bands? How come no one does like a Steely Dan thing at a brewery? Dude. I'm just saying. Let's do uh, it. Yeah. thousand percent. Tell me about it. If there was a Steely Dan night, a cover band or whatever, a tribute Studio I would be weird there and whatever. With bells and whistles. I would literally wear bells and whistles if that was if that were a thing. Oh my god, I was so excited. See, Can you hear that area appreciate Steely Dan? There's untapped market here. Steely Dan. Then. I'll come and Make sing all the lyrics. Well, Richard was just Babylon telling us he's been. Sisters, oh, I'm reading a book. It's a true story. I'm actually reading a brand new book about Steely Dan. That is the it's the history of Steely Dan, but it is told through the characters in their songs. <gasps> like oh. Charlie Freak, <laughs> like so. Babs and Clean Willie, and like all like Babylon Sis, like all of the characters in their songs. It's amazing. Okay, I need to read that. <laughs> reading this every <laughs> morning. So, so I'm in the total Steely Dan, like Steely Dan. This is not the a Steely Dan podcast, but I'm gonna go off for a minute. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Steely Dan is the first 
band I ever remember. I remember like really like being like, oh, this is this is good. This is good in a way that is different than Donny Osmond, you know, oh, <laughs> and yeah. the other like kid music I'm listening to. I listened to the entire album of Gaucho on the drive home from work today. And it was, I mean, it opens with Babylon sisters. I mean, such a great man. <laughs> Sorry. Not a Steely Dan. For, if, if you're looking for a thing to do, I well, recommend a Steely Dan day. Let me tie it back to beer history here for a moment. <laughs> Thanks. It was, if it, I could. it was, it was July, 2012. So literally 11 years ago this month, when I wrote about DC Brow and Brian Barrows brewing your favorite foreign movie, which coincidentally, your favorite foreign movie, uh, table beer, Belgian small pale, Belgian small beer, a potter's won, beer, a potter's beer, if you will, uh, one at the Great American Beer Festival. So it is with that I leave you this DC beer bit of history. DC Brow, your favorite foreign movie, was actually a Great American Beer Festival winner. And so we're back on track here with the DC nice. Beer theme. On Thursday, August the 3rd, I'm going to be grabbing for an IPA because did you know that that is National IPA Day? How and where and what? What will you be doing and drinking and celebrating National IPA Day, my friends, my beer friends? Brandy. We don't mm -hmm. need a National IPA Day. If you are a craft beer fan, every day is National IPA Day. And so I'm going to be the obnoxious contrarian. I will probably be, I'll definitely be drinking a lager. It'll also probably be smoked. Um, Ooh. There God. should be a, yeah. You got me a smoked. Yeah, <laughs> like I, IPA doesn't need a day. It's like having White History Month, right? We need, it's just, Oh, oh, what's wait. the point? <laughs> right, like there, there are historically underappreciated things out there. You don't need IPA day. Like, it's like a fish so, in. If you like craft beer, you're like you're a fish in water. I feel oh, like this is gonna segue you know, into a right. story. We need like Jake. Shark Week, Smoke Beer Month, whatever. Mike, you were saying. So, Technically, only it's, it, only a it's, thin man would would want. Uh, it's technically Rauk Beer Month, um, and technically June was also Rauk Beer Month, and technically August is Rauk Beer Month. If you go by the wonderful calendar set forth by the Dovetail Brewery out of Chicago, they have a wonderful calendar, and sure enough, twelve months out of the year are Rauk Beer Month. <laughs> yes, Jake, to your point, uh, IPA has no problem selling. And I, IPA Day came about, I want to say like a decade ago, when IPAs, you know, weren't the, the leader for the last decade because it was 10 years ago. And yeah, to your point, it's kind of redundant now. Um, it's like selling water to fishes. Um, so yeah, have, have some smoke beer. Join us, if you will. Um, I'll say this, Brandy, you are drinking Wales. Um, Wales Pale Ale was a beer originally brewed by Andrew Wales, who was a Scottish immigrant, and he sold his beer to George Washington. George Washington obviously didn't want 
you know, what is today the U.S. to be colonies. He wanted it to be, you know, a sovereign nation. Andrew Wales, his brewer who sold him beer, was like, no, 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 I'm a loyalist. I'm a Tory, a.k.a. I want the Virginia colony to be under the English crown, the British monarchy. So even in the 1700s, you have the president and the brewer butting heads. And I still think that holds up really well today. Even if you butt heads with somebody, there's still commerce, there's still trade. We live, thankfully, in a beautiful city in D.C. where we get to disagree with people, hopefully over a beer. And at the end of the day, we can all be safe and maybe agree to disagree, right? You say IPA day, I say Ralph Beer Day. Let's have a beer. But IPA has its history. So as a historian, it's okay to celebrate uh, IPA day for one day. I mean, a lot of us do drink IPAs, but if you're a beer nerd, yeah, there are probably some styles you don't love, but there are, you love more than you don't most likely. And I think it's because you can appreciate them. And thanks to Mike Stein, we can appreciate them not only for their taste, but for their history, um, which is fantastic. So I bow down to you, Mr. Stein, the the knower of all beer things. (laughs) But I want to know, have you guys heard of uh, the Mieza Blendery? Mieza? Mm. Mieza Blendery in Alexandria? Fabio and I just talked about it. We just a a wee little bit. Oh, my God. I mean, I met the owner. Actually, Richard and I were at Astrolab right before they shut their doors. Rip. And I haven't I haven't made it out there yet, but. Um, my friend Frank Wendy said it was great, but I'm just curious. I'm interested in the concept. Um, I'm not overly familiar with like build, building a whole like brewery around it, but I'm I'm curious to go. So I can't wait to listen to this uh, interview. Yeah, we'll be talking a little bit of sour beer, and I think Brandy, you and I are going to be hanging out with Alex Lynch over at Mieza at some point in the pretty near future. Dope. I'm there. Speaking of beer history, our guest, director of brewing operations, founder of Dynasty Brewing, Fabio Garcia, has been brewing in Virginia for almost 30 years now, professionally. He doesn't look that, that old. No, he doesn't. Um, his beer moisturizing, keeps him young. yeah, <laughs> his, his, his skincare routine, hanging out um, with like with steamy tanks. It's like it's like a neti pot for like, you know, 12 hours a day. Dynasty's fifth anniversary is upon us, and so Fabio was nice enough to sit down and join us on this here DC Beer Show. Fabio, what do you have planned for the fifth anniversary? Hey, Jake, how's it going? Uh, fifth anniversary, yeah, five years at our little brewery in Ashburn. Well, we have a party planned on the 26th of August, um, Saturday, starting at noon. Got some people coming over. Uh, we got lots of music. Really focusing on the heavy on the music this year. We got uh, four different bands starting at three, you know, so three, four thirty, five, and then eight o'clock. We have uh, the black minivan finishing out the night, so it should be pretty good. And of course, we have an anniversary beer, uh, quintessential IPA, fifth anniversary beer. That are one of our hazy IPAs. We can't get away from those. We love them, <laughs> so we'll make another one. Are you doing a uh, a five theme, like five different hops, five different uh, grains in the in the bill? No, Any, get the pretty anything? simple. Get pretty yeah. simple. Uh, no theme except for we like to, to use Nelson and Citron. That's pretty much the the big thing about it. Um, kind of kept it a little bit for us. 
Well, at least our anniversary beers, at least last year, was pretty big over eight. So we're kind of more like a 7% beer, 7.5%. We'll see how it turns out. We just kind of brewed it last week. It's still fermenting. We do multiple dry hops, so that was the first dry hop is, uh, today. So speaking of big beers, last year at Snally, I yeah. saw you and you had a cask of Tiny Dictator, or at least let's say you had a firkin. That's um, correct, yeah. Gravity pours of Tiny Dictator, which is an, an imperial stout. I think it was 12%, but it yeah. might have been a little bit more. A little bit um, more, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you may have poured me like six ounces of it and sent me on my way, uh, yeah. which thank you and I hate you. <laughs> uh, what do you have planned for Snallygaster this year, if it's not too early? No, no. Uh, I definitely like the idea of something light and something dark. Uh, so we did a Pilsner uh, last year, or a Supremo Pilsner, and then we had the, the Imperial Stout. That was a pretty heavy-duty stout because the barrel aged with blueberries and chocolate. So it was all kinds of things going on. Well, maybe a little too much sometimes, but uh, especially for a festival of Snallygaster, there's like lots of flavors going on, but uh, we have fun pouring it. Uh, we are planning to do a collaboration with Ocelot in the early fall, and I'm hoping that it's a dark lager. We've done it in the past, and we'll be returned to that. But uh, uh, it was a good, it was a Mike Stein-inspired uh, collaboration. Um, He's actually, I was looking through the list of collaborations. He inspired quite a few of them. But uh, so it's a historic dark beer, uh, dark lager, Kohlenbacher. Uh, so he convinced uh, uh, Jack and I, Jack Brewer Ocelot, to brew this beer. So we plan to do it again. And then uh, hopefully we can pour it at Snallygaster. Cool. That means we might be seeing Love Vigilantes um, again. Yes. So you've collaborated with Mike and Mount Vernon. Um, so Mike. Uh, Pete Jones lost lagers on a couple of beers, and I now see them in cans in addition to bottles. Uh, what's that been like? Just like, are you are you at Mount Vernon on a semi regular basis now, uh, talking with them? Um, yeah, so it's uh, the, the it was great development. We had the beers in cans, uh, so the, last year it was all bottles, and just from a brewery logistics standpoint, it was very slow and nightmarish to uh to bottle those beers um these are historical beers essentially so uh some are more historical than others some are just ideas of uh of beers are historical in the sense of uh so my uh so we did like a wales pale ale so it's named after andrew wales a brewer that had a scottish brewer that had a place in alexandria that uh there's some records of george washington buying beer from him so we did a basically an English style pale ale. Uh, so we were able to put that in cans and the pull through has been dramatic, has been great. So we're selling at the, the Mount Vernon Inn and at the gift shop. Uh, with cans, the sales increased dramatically. So that's been a lot of fun to, to be able to produce those. Um, so we do meet with Susan at Mount Vernon a couple times a year, kind of at the end of the last season, see how they liked everything and want to progress and say, absolutely. So we worked out what beers we're going to brew again and maybe add some new ones. So we keep, uh, we keep adding beers and adding ideas to it. Uh, Mike and Pete from Lost Loggers are working on a recipe that we're going to do a double mash. It's basically a barley wine. We're um, going to call it an export ale, but it's a big, heavy duty uh, English style. 
I have two follow-up questions about that. Uh, the first is that, are you going to make a small beer mm. following the barley wine um, that is use that grain to do something much That's a lower. good idea. We didn't actually talk about Maybe. that, but that's a good idea. I mean, I only done a small beer in the past, I think only once. No, that's not true. I've been brewing so long, I forget. But uh, I have two memories of making a small beer. And the problem with small beers, they can be pretty astringent, right? Because you kind of get all the sugars out of it. It can be pretty thin, right? But uh, yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things of uh, having a local yeast lab with Jasper and Travis, um, I work with them all the time. I think we can find something that's that that could blend well. Right? Um, in the old days, you kind of just had one house strain, and you just use your house ale strain for everything. Um, so now we're using basically a new strain almost every week. Yeah, and you've got a lot at your disposal, like uh, honey, Belgian candy, sugar, you know, att attenuate it under 80% or so. But, yeah, uh, no, it's a good idea. Uh, yeah. We're trying to work out when we're going to brew this because I think it's going to be a nightmarish day. I mean, nightmarish, and, and it'll be fun to hang out with Mike and Pete, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be a long day. The double mash. Yeah. So the, the historical uh, barley wine question, the second is GW and Mount Vernon came into alcohol at first with whiskey. Is this a candidate to be barrel-aged in oh, yeah. those barrels? Yeah, we already have we had one of our year-round beers for Mount Vernon is the porter. It's a, basically a London-style porter with Virginia ingredients. It's Mount Vernon's Virginia porter. And we already aged that in uh, their uh, rye whiskey casks. So we have some coming out in the next month or so. It's already, it's in the barrels, ready to go. So just matter getting out. Um, but that'll be, yes, absolutely. That's going to be something that we can coordinate with uh, Steve, the distiller over there to, to get some barrels and that'll be, uh, put that in for sure. Since you dated yourself uh, back to the Bardo and right. Dominion days, yeah. you tell our listeners a little bit about what it was like operating a brew pub, brewing at a brew pub here in the D.C. suburbs in Virginia in the 90s. Uh, I mean, I think that people now know Bardo as the place that was on Bladensburg, and then they they were briefly over by Nats Park Brewing Outdoors. But yeah. there's, a, there's a tradition there. There's a history. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bill Stewart had started Bardo. He was kind of ahead of his time, you know, this take an old, old building car leadership and put a brewery in pretty big brewery brew house, you know, 20 some barrels. He had, I guess, come back from a trip from the Pacific Northwest and he had a bunch of recipes from breweries that he, he had visited and, uh, he had people like me brew them. Uh, I was a very young brewer. Um, I really went from like five gallons home brewing to, uh, help 25 barrel system, like basically overnight. I, it, it's kind of hard to imagine it was a very new industry at the time. And it was like small group of people in the industry. It's much smaller than it is now, right? There, you know, there's 40 breweries in Loudoun County and probably 40 breweries in the East coast at that time with that. Um, so it's a much, it was a much smaller group of people and you get to know everybody, you get to know them pretty well. That's like, I think that's the biggest change, uh, from then and now. It was kind of a free-for-all, at least Bardo is and was. I mean, I still I remember it fondly because it was unstructured and uh, a lot of fun. It was frustrating at times, of course. I was the, there for a couple of years, three, two or three years. I uh, brewed for like a year and a half, two years. And 
found another brewing job and moved on. And of course, Bardo evolved into some other things. He was like, he had a farm brewery for a while, way before any farm breweries were even legal. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I said, ahead of his times. Do people now look at you as something of an elder statesman, elder statesperson in the, in the Virginia and the DMV brewing scene? I mean, you've done Bardo. Yeah. Dominion, when Dominion was in Ashburn and actually the old Dominion, as opposed to now when it's merged with Fordham and is in Delaware. Uh, that's a, I don't know. That's a, I really don't know what the, I'm always surprised that I'm still in the industry. It's kind of one of those things like, you know, one brewing job leads to the next. And then, uh, you know, and you get some kind of, uh, ownership of one brewery and, and then you kind of trying to work, make that work. And, and that's what I'm still doing, trying to make things work. Uh, it's, it's kind of one day at a time in many ways. And I'm still surprised and still brewing. I'm still enjoying it very much. So, um, Every day has a new challenge. Every year is different, but um, you know it keeps evolving for sure. I was going to say, like you, you seem like you have adapted and grown, and yet still learning uh, more so than others. Um, I note that you make something like a pastry stout now, the uh, the German chocolate cake beer. Yeah, um, you've moved from like the West Coast IPAs of Bill Stewart and the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. um, all those kind of sea hops with Warrior and Glacier in the whirlpool to hazies and now of yeah. course they're like fassbender back to west coast as we're yes. starting to see a little bit more of the west coast pick up yeah but like what's it what's it been like uh just kind of seeing the transition throughout the years uh well that's the thing that's what i enjoy about it the most is those transitions right the um the evolution of craft beer and then now it's basically ipa but the evolution of the ipas um even the west coast are not as west coast as we used to think of like stone you know we got those ibu wars i don't know when that was but 15 years ago everything was like yeah i was thinking maybe like 2010 2012 was a uh, green flash had a beer i think called palette wrecker right where yeah, you I, know, everything gets pushed back you know in the, yeah. in the in the process so even the west coast are not as bitter as they used to be um um but i'm fortunate that uh my business partner travis gets to travel to california for work so he brings back some some fresh uh, West Coast beers, and we get to try them. And they did, tended to be trending more to the bitter, very clear and crisp. And like, oh yeah, we're we're getting back into this. This is good. <laughs> we're excited to, to pursue that as far as IPAs this coming year. Um, you know, so anniversaries kind of think of like you know, this is like every year kind of smart. You know, have a new take on what we're brewing for IPA wise, and then uh, so I think we're going to have some more clearer. CRISPR IPAs coming out. Um, trying to try some different yeast strains. I, hazy still sell. <laughs> so you all like you're doing hazies. Mm -hmm. You've got at least a, you know a couple big stouts. You mentioned Tiny Dictator uh, yep. with the chocolate and blueberries, um, as well as the the German chocolate one. There's a lot of hype around fruited sours, and I note that you seem to have um, zigged where others have zagged. Uh, working with Alex Lynch. Yeah at Mieza, uh, who at one point was located entirely within Dynasty, but now they have their own tap room. I think it's on South Joyce over in Alexandria. Right. What's that process been like where there's wort being made and then trucked from uh, Ashburn, from Loudoun, over a little bit closer to DC, put in barrels, blended with fruit, um, making true actual sours? Yeah, I think that's... Uh... I see how much work Alex puts into it. 
um, you know, he's picking the fruit, he's going out gathering fruit, picking fruit or coordinating with uh, growers to pick up some f fresh blueberries or raspberries, whatever is in the season. This is his busy time of year. And uh, I stayed, you know, since we were, were friends and uh, collaborators in many ways, we worked together on, on some or some things. Um, you know, he uses our brewery and we uh, get to get some beer from him, uh, some sour beer. So hopefully, the, I think the plan for to having like a sour beer on tap at Dynasty on a regular would be when he's ready for, for us to have a, our own blend of uh, Mieza sour at the dynasty that's kind of the, the plan so yeah we i mean i personally have not been brewing that many uh fruited sours so i've stayed away from it and uh like i said zag is a good way to put it that to have an alex do it um it's a lot of work and uh you know he's doing it he's got some spontaneous fermentation he got mixed cultures this is not kettle sours these are a mix of yeast and bacteria in barrels wine barrels um it's pretty involved. I do note that he's returning the favor. And if you look at, uh, if you go to the Mieza tap room, uh, you'll note a Pilsner and an IPA, mm -hmm. which I believe at the moment are actually El Supremo, um, your uh, Italian style pills. Yep. And I think Mosaic Vision, um, one, of the, one of the hazies. I think those are the two that are, that are on right now. I had asked him if uh, El Supremo was, was his shifty. And he just kind of laughed and said, yeah, you know, this is what we do. <laughs> all right fabio lovely talking to you um sure. the anniversary is uh august 26th saturday and uh you can buy dynasty beers in both in dc and virginia as well thanks for being on the show much sure, appreciate man. thanks for having me on appreciate it yeah cheers thank you fabio happy fifth brandy we got some beer events coming up i know that you've you've shouted out urban gardening red bear collab but we've got some other stuff on the docket as well there are some August events going on and we are always uploading events and sharing things on social media. So follow DC Beer. Um, but speaking of Urban Garden, I am excited to announce that our August Women's Brew Culture Club will be hosted by the one and only Imani and of course, Lindsay. I love Lindsay. Um, so it's going to be featuring their um, tea and herbal Ford beers um, at their home base, City State, and some City State beers will be in the flights as well. Right now, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's on the books, but it's going to be on, hopefully, fingers crossed, Saturday the 19th. Uh, we'll send the rest of the information as well as the RSVP link in our August newsletter. That's going out at the first of the month. Make sure you head to dcbeer.com to sign up for our monthly newsletters and our monthly emails. And I'm, I'm serious when I mean once a month, maybe twice a month, like as a reminder, but that's it. Like we don't spam you every day like everybody else. So um, make sure you catch up on that. Uh, don't miss that event. I mean, there's so many events going on. One event I want to shout out because it happens the day I get back from Delaware is that there is a Lambic event at the Sovereign on Saturday the 12th. It involves 14 lambics that also have grapes or grape products added and so if you're with someone who might prefer wine 
this is, I think, a really good chance to kind of move them over to the dark side. Um, they're going to be some very vinous, very tannic beers, varying degrees of uh, grape additives. I know at least one of these beers is going to be like 51% beer and 49% wine. And oh, so yeah. like, it's a really interesting way um, to go about um, trying things, expanding your horizons, um, lambic and grapes. A match made in Belgian heaven. <laughs> or Himmel, as they might say in some of the other, some parts of Belgium. That sounds fascinating, Jake. I've always maintained that that is the most wine-like beer because you can't make it without blending. And so much of uh, beer, high-quality beer around D.C., it's one batch, it's brewed, it's fermented, it's put on draft or it's put in cans, and that's that. Um, you know, comparatively to the one, two, and three-year-old blend or the blending that's common in a lot of these fruit Belgian spontaneous beers like Creekin beer, Frambois, you know, cherry beer or raspberry beer. Um, this sounds like a great opportunity. So definitely look out for that on August 12th. Speaking of great opportunity, um, Legends, the distributor, is going to unfortunately dissolve. And right now, Tilquin, one of the better goose houses and blenderies in Belgium, is a free agent. Um, one of you better pick it up. And by you, I'm looking at you, Hop and Wine. You want to boost up your imports. Or Craft Coalition, you want to get into that. Um, I do not want to live in an area um, where there is no Tilquin. Um, fantastic, phenomenal, underrated. And also, unlike, say, Cantillon, almost always readily available, which is, I think, one of the things that's most important to me is that I can walk into a place like Craft Beer Cellar and buy it. So, Jake, why did you mention Tilkin by name and not uh, Duchess du Bourgognon or <gasps> Saison like Dupont that, or yeah. insert other Belgian yes, here? Yes, um, there are a couple, and you can look for a little bit more of this on the site in the next couple of weeks um, as we kind of flesh out what happens to legends in their portfolio. Americans aren't buying imported beers the way that they used to, and you all should start hoarding. There should be a run, like at a it's bank. Like chartreuse. Like it's chartreuse. Yes, like chartreuse. I missed out on the chartreuse run yeah. because and I'm now a how much is chartreuse? Moral. Right? No, exactly, Brandy. Like, when's they're, the next time you it. and I are gonna get like a I'm last not. word cocktail? We're screwed. We're screwed. <sighs> right? Don't don't get screwed. And Cezanne yellow Dupont. chartreuse is not even as good as the green. Yeah, yeah, guys, yeah. Stop, y'all. The sky is not falling. Look, real it's ones, no, Brandy. We're, talk, we're talking morning. green. Green is where it's at, right? That's that's what's in the last word. That's what gives you that extra oomph and the kick. And so Saison Dupont is like that. Um, you should start buying it all up because it's a perfect Thanksgiving beer. It's really a perfect beer like right now if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, it's great. But yeah, there's going to be more about this on the site. Um, it's not just imports. Think of, say, Kyle and Sarah Schur. You used to know them over at Millstone Cider um, in Maryland. Now they run Graft Cider in New York State. Graft is caught up in this as well. We don't want to see a lull in those sorts of products that we love and take for granted. So it's going to be very, very interesting over the next couple of months how Legends Dissolution shakes out, both for imports and the beers we know and love. That was a long-winded rant on my part. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> it's a rant kind of night, Jake, yeah. so it's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I think we I think we have feels because Richard's here. We get to see his lovely face, and I think we're just I think we're just kind of going back and forth like the old times. So 
it's okay. It's okay to do yeah. that. Hopefully the listeners can keep up with this. Wild sorry, guys. Family. Sorry, not sorry. We love y'all. <laughs> All right. At DCB or across the socials, as always, let us know. Um, hopefully uh, in two weeks, the socials will still be here with us. If not, you know, dcbeer.com. Um, you know where to find True. us. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool.